we are so blessed to have a relationship with Doyle. Uh, I've known, Chris and I have known Doyle for almost 20, 25 years or so. We knew him when we were in Brighton. And uh, he's uh, been a blessing every time I see Doyle. And, uh, you know, he is just coming from a, uh, a big event, uh, 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 Sweetwater. It's a big music conference. And he'll tell, probably talk a little bit more about it. But Doyle has the opportunity to minister in front of thousands of people. Uh, he'd been at the Grand Ole Opry, started off with Grandpa Jones. Yep, he's that old. Um, <laughs> he's been around, with, and, and he is just gifted. And, you know, we are so blessed that Doyle will call us when he's in the neighborhood and say, hey, I got some time, can I come on up? Now, in the neighborhood for you and I is maybe in Petoskey. In the neighborhood for Doyle is Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> so he was in Indiana yesterday, and he said, no, I got some time. Can I come on up and minister to us? And uh, it started out just to be tomorrow, tonight for a concert, and, and we picked it because we thought, you know, we, we'll do a Sunday night because then we're not competing with other churches, and other churches can come in and be a part of us, and, and we were happy with that. And then he called me, it's 11 o'clock Friday night, and he said, hey, my, my time got changed at Sweetwater, and I'm, I'm, I'm done in the morning. I can drive up Saturday night, um, and I can be with you Sunday morning. And I said, well, Doyle, I said, I really hate to make you work that much when you come up here. And he, he doesn't have a problem because, you know, and Doyle, this is not work. Doyle is ministering of a gift. And when we are gifted, and when, when we are operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's not work, is it, Doyle? It is truly a ministry. And so we're going to give Doyle an opportunity to not just to play with us, but, you know, Doyle's a, Doyle started out being a pastor. So Doyle has a preaching gift as well. So Doyle is going to share the word with us. He's going to play. He's going to share the word. And we're just going to be blessed for the next 45 minutes to an hour. Whatever Doyle wants to do, he's got the time. It's 11 o'clock. We've got lots of time. And we're just going to uh, just really be blessed. And so would you just give Doyle a uh, center point assembly welcome? Thank you, brother. of the Lord here today, and that's a good thing, amen. Thank you. 
Thank you. And if you've been saved for a few years, you know that that's the truth. And if you haven't even, you know that's also the truth. But God is faithful through all the years. I've been saved over 50 years myself. And how about you? You've been saved for a long time. How many of you know that even through the hard times and bad times, God's faithfulness is real? It's a real thing. It's not just an old song, but it's a real thing, and we can enjoy that. why the Lord gave me more guitars. This is an old one. This is a, I think this is a 1961. It's an old guitar.
when she's driving around all over Jacksonville, Florida. for mama you know I don't ever remember her waking up in a bad mood she's kind of like my granddaughter my grandson he every day wakes up but his little sister every day she wakes up she's just good morning world I'm here I'm gonna brighten your day and she does especially to us and uh so anyway, it's, uh, that's kind of the way my, my uh, mom is, uh, Martha, and I wrote that years ago for her, Martha's Kitchen. I write a lot of songs for, uh, for my grandkids, and uh, in fact, uh, dance a little in your blue. (laughs) 
You know, sometimes uh, years ago, I, I never could write a song on a, on a guitar. I couldn't write an instrumental song. I tried, but I, and I'd write songs with, uh, with lyrics, you know. And then I quit writing songs with lyrics, and I switched over. Next thing you know, I was writing all kinds of guitar things, you know. And sometimes I think it's just a, a timing thing that the Lord has for us. You know, I started writing things. Listen in my head, just riding down the road. song of an album I did with RCA years ago, Wyndham Hill. It's called Guitar 2000. One before that was Jazz in the Box. And one night I was at home and I was frustrated. I couldn't seem to record right. And my wife said, well, I got supper ready. And so I went in and ate something. I came back in just trying to limber my hands and I started... It became one of my most popular songs and beginnings right here I thought wow that's pretty wish I thought of that
You see, that's, that's the way I hear it from the beginning. And sometimes, like I say, I write some of that stuff I wrote in my head before I even grabbed a guitar. You know why? The Lord put it in my heart. He put it there. There's a song I wrote. Uh, I love to play it on, through the amp, but... <laughs> wonder who we are or what God has for our lives and things like that. And, and uh, I was reading in Scripture, have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And, uh, you know, who put those songs in my heart? I mean, I used to pray, Lord, please help me to be able to write instrumental songs, guitar music, you know. Some of it's real fast. I didn't play twin six shooters. I was going to, but you know, I, I always do uh, medleys of my heroes like uh, Merle Travis. I've got Merle Travis medleys, and I played it at the Merle Travis Festival recently in in Arkansas, and I played it down in the uh, at the Merle Travis Center in Kentucky. You know, they inducted me in the in the Thumb Pickers Hall of Fame there, and uh, and things like that. So I, I've been able to go full circle. I met Merle Travis. I met Chet Atkins. I do a Chet Atkins medley, and I thought, well, you know, i got so many songs now, I'll just do a Doyle medley, 
and said, I've got two, three Doyle Dykes medleys now. And I thought, wow. And I looked and I put all the songs that I ever wrote on the guitar, and there was over 60 in just a, not that long of a period of time where I had never been able to write an instrumental song. And I said, Lord, I, I just pray that you'll help me because he, he gave me this direction that finally the, it was the right place at the, at the right time. And they just began to flow. Just like within a matter of months, I had a whole record. And that's what put me on with Taylor Guitars. And that album is the thing that got me back on the Grand Ole Opry as a soloist, as, a, as an instrumentalist. I'd never been able to do that before. But the fact was, all that was, that gift was on, on the inside of me all that time. I just didn't realize it, you know. But sometimes it's also a timing thing with God, right? Do you believe that? I went to this church the other day, and it was uh, a wonderful church out in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It was a big, beautiful place, and uh, the, the man's name was Dixon. He was in the AG for a long, long time. He was a, a big-time evangelist, you know, uh, and I'll tell you more about him later, but they had this beautiful facility, and right next to the church was a brand-new, uh, it was like a, a chapel, and it looked like something, uh, it, it looked almost half-industrial, like a, a corn bin type thing or something, but it was beautiful the way they did, and they put glass on it, but it had that look of... of uh, you know, maybe something out in the plains because they're right next to Oklahoma. And uh, it was all open, and, and they're going to have weddings in there. He said, we've been wanting to build that thing for 20 years. I asked the Lord the other day, he said, well, thank you, Lord, that we finally built this thing. And uh, But I, I, I wish I could have built or had been enjoying it for the last 20 years. And he said, God spoke to me, and he said, my greatest asset for answered prayer is timing. And I stopped him, and I, I put my hand, I said, say that again. He said, Doyle, he owns the cattle on the Thousand Hills. He, owns the re he has the resources. He can make things happen. I know that. But the thing is, he said, we weren't ready for it. And he knew that. He said, it's not timing with him. He said, it's with us. He said, my greatest asset for answering your prayers is timing. It's not resources. It's timing. And I thought, oh, my Lord. And, and I got to thinking about things like, you know, if we look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians, how this is in the guitar player's Bible. Y'all remember that, don't you? The amplified, except my amplifier's not working. I can tell you a story about that, too. However, and I'll end it with that. You know, this thing has taken on a whole different thing since my amplifier quit. However, I've had it happen before. However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth that the grandeur and the exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves, from our little earthen vessels. Amen. For he has placed his treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen. And he's chosen to do that. He put those songs on the inside of me a long time ago. I just never discovered them until not too long ago. You know? And I got news for it. I'm, also, I'm always discovering new things. I was on a show yesterday. And I was a first on. They moved my time early, like Pastor Mike said. And I said, oh, God, please give me at least 50 or 60 people. There were hundreds of people there. It was this great big pavilion. I don't know how many there were there. There might have been 800 people out there. I couldn't believe it. And it was live stream. And I forgot all about the live stream. And we have had thousands of views, thousands. Even when it was showing, my daughter said, Dad, you had almost 20,000 people watching you. And I told, and I just got up and said some things about that, you know, and about gift and God's gift that He gives to us, right? And so I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, that He places this treasure on the inside of us in earthen vessels. I told Him yesterday, though. I said, you know, I I heard Paul McCartney ask uh, Willie Nelson, "When are you going to retire?" He said, "From what?" Because <laughs> he's like you said a while ago, when you love it, it's not a job to you. 
And I got to thinking about it, and I thought it was funny. How could he ever retire from being Willie Nelson anyway? He's going to be Willie Nelson. I don't even care if he picked up another guitar. He doesn't have to anymore. You can't retire from what God has made you. Amen. Let me say that again. You can't retire from what God has made you. He has placed this treasure in earthen vessels that he might be glorified. That's why he's done it. And, uh, in fact, uh, I was telling some folks at the Guild, guitar people, I had dinner with them the other night. I played this big show with this rock and roll giant guitar player, and, and they paired me up with him. We played While My Guitar Gently Weeps. His name is Steve Vai. And Steve came up there and said, how'd the show go? I said, you know, if somebody hitches you up to Steve Vai's wagon, you don't have to do a thing. I didn't even have to plug in, and I was cool. <laughs> and the crowd went nuts, and he was over there looking, and you know, I was watching. He was he's just doing all this, you know, and I kicked it off, down, 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 you know. And so after it was over, uh, he had to fly to Switzerland or something, and I said, well, I'm going to go have dinner with the Gill folks. So I left them all and had dinner with the Gill folks, and I got to preaching to them. I'm thinking, what are they going to think of me? And I said, you know, there are things on the inside of us that some of us didn't know we had. They said, why did you start playing the guitar? Is there music on both sides of your family? The man that I've been dealing with, I, I just got back with Gil Guitars. And, uh, and she didn't know me, and he didn't know me well. And I said, yeah, on both sides. On my, my granddaddy was a choir director at our church. My dad played the guitar. I have a picture of my dad, Bubba, on the inside of that guitar I've been playing this morning. Everybody called him Bubba. Even the Lord knows him as Bubba in heaven, I think. But, uh, of course, I called him Dad. I didn't call him that. But uh, when uh, I got to thinking about this, and I was, I was talking to him, I said, you know, uh, there are things on the inside of us. I said, yeah, I think I was supposed to be a guitar player. I, in fact, I, I know I was. That's what God made me to be. He, he made me this way. And I never thought I would ever get out of Jacksonville, Florida. I was raised in a poor kind of part of the city, you know, on the other side of the tracks, like they say. And it was. It was on the other side of the tracks over there by where the boats come in. I mean, you could hear trains all night long. In fact, after we moved, my, when I got married, my wife and I moved, and I was with Grandpa Jones. And, I, and she said, what's wrong? I said, I just can't go to sleep up here for some reason. I said, I, I don't know if it's Nashville or what it is. I can't sleep up here. And it finally dawned on me, I missed the boat whistles. I missed the trains and the cranes creaking all night long. I was raised around that. I mean, it was an industrial area. But our lives were centered around the beauty of it was church. And that was our lives. And music came from that, and that's where I learned to play. But there was more to it than that. You see, I, and I began to show him uh, uh, in, in the Word, and I've been reading in Genesis about uh, Joseph's brother. And they were so jealous of him. And remember, they sold him into slavery, told their dad he was dead, sold him into slavery, and they brought him down to Egypt. He ended up at Potiphar's house, and he got a good job. Then you remember Potiphar's wife got him in trouble, lied about it, said she, he tried to take advantage of me. And he was trying to run away from her so quick, he pulled his robe off of him. And there he is running around without his robe. And, they, and it sure made him look guilty. They put him in jail. He was in there several years. And next thing you know, you know, he had favor with the, the butler and the baker, and he told their dream. You remember the whole thing? He said, just remember me if they ever let you out here. And they forgot him. And then one day, Pharaoh had the, these dreams, and nobody could tell what they meant. So, well, I, I met a guy in jail. I believe he could tell you. And the next thing you know, he was promoted to the guy. I mean, his rulership and his voice carried just as much as Pharaoh. It's the most amazing. I still am amazed every time I read it. And, he, and then there was a great famine in the land. And, of course, that was part of the dream that Pharaoh had. It was all in God's timing. It was all about that course joseph had told years before his, his brothers you're going to bow down to me one day basically i had a dream you're going to bow down to me not only you but the the sun and the moon in other words his mom and dad are going to be bowing down to me and it happened they were starving so they went to get food and they brought all this money he said and he recognized them he said are there any brothers left we have a younger brother but our dad won't let him go because 
his older brother's dead, and, uh, and he loves this boy. He said, you bring him here. If you don't bring him here, I'm going to uh, throw you in jail. You remember the story. I'm trying to make it. This is the Doyle Dykes version of it. And so they went and they got their brother, Benji, and took him back. And he looked at him and his heart, he just couldn't hardly contain himself. He said, is your father still alive? And he said, yes. I get chill bumps think, just thinking about it. What a story. And, uh, and anyway, you can't make this kind of stuff up. I mean, I don't think there's a writer good enough to make this up. And so he said, yes, he's still alive. And he, and he sent them on their way again and, and put their money back in their sacks. And he said, on the youngest one. I want you to take my, they weren't allowed to eat at the same place where he was because they were Hebrews and the Egyptians weren't allowed to even eat with him. So they set him on a, another place, but it was there in the same place within the same room. But he had this like a king's cup and he says, he told a servant, I want you to take this and put this in the sack of the youngest and it, with his corn and, and send them away. And they put him out there. And they'd gone a little far off. He said, okay, now I want you to go out there and get them and say, somebody took the king's silver chalice, which, I mean, they could have been put to death for that. And, uh, and so they went out there, and they started searching through all the, from the youngest down, or the oldest down to the youngest. When they got to the youngest, here they brought it out. There it is. Now what are you going to do? He said, bring them back to me. You know, and we didn't put that there. We didn't put the, the king's cup there, the silver chalice that, that only a king could uh, drink from. But he has placed his treasure. He has placed his treasure in earthen vessels. We're nothing but a corn sack. We're earthen vessels made of earth. But that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He has placed things on the inside of you and me. So we can, he can take us to his table and eat like a king and be treated like one of his own family. Amen. That's what God's want. That's his ultimate goal, to bring us in as his own family. And so you know the rest of the story, and they brought them back in. Finally, they, uh, he told his brothers when they, brought, they came back in the room not long after that, a few minutes, you know, and, and, uh, and he just couldn't contain himself, and he sent everybody out. And, and I just get emotional to think about it. And he just wept. And he hugged, his, he hugged Benjamin, and he just loved him, and, he, and he, he kissed him. And he and his brothers, he says, I am your brother, Joseph. You thought I was dead. You sold me into slavery, but I'm still alive, and it's me. And they're going, oh, my Lord, <laughs> what have we done? It is Joseph. And he said, I want you to go back, and I want you to get Dad, and I want you to get Mom. And Pharaoh and all, he cried so loud that the servants heard him. And all of Pharaoh, he must have lived right next door to Pharaoh because they all heard him cry. And they said, what is this that's happened? And, and so Pharaoh himself said, oh, that's great. I want you to go get your Daddy and your Mama and your brothers, and all their family, and your grandkids, and your great-grandkids, and I want you to bring them all back. In fact, I'll send my wagons over to get them. Yesterday, I was at this place, and I drove that Texas rental truck up there and parked mine, and, and there's Ricky Skaggs' big old bus, and there's uh, Eric Johnson. He had rented a bus from Texas, you know, and they had another bus there, and, and I go out there, well, here's a fingerstyle guitar player's truck. <laughs> But that's all right. But I got to thinking about it, and I looked at those big buses, and Eric said, come on in, I want you to hear something and, and that we had recorded. And so I went in his bus, and I'm going, you know, this is not such a bad thing. Maybe I'll start believing bigger. You know, this is pretty good. And I saw Ricky, and he gave me a big old hug and visited with him. That's what took me a little longer to get out of there because, I, oh, I got to see him, you know. Because God has given me favor with these people. You know why? Because he put a treasure on the inside of me. And if you look at what happened yesterday, I didn't end up on YouTube or some big thing at the end or, or even, or even uh, Wabash Cannonball. I ended up on something very special. I said, this is a song I'd like to share. I said, music is such a gift from God. He gave it to us. And I did, what a friend we have in Jesus. And all these musicians, I said, we're friends. God gave us a gift of music. 
so we can have a camaraderie among each other and a fellowship. I said, let's enjoy each other today. I said, this great store, probably there's nothing like this in the whole world. There were between fifteen and 20,000 people there yesterday. And the Lord gave me that platform that I'll be able to share his gospel and his good news with these people. And thank you, Jesus, he, I did that. Amen. I forgot it was live streamed. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know if I'll ever be invited back there again. But thank the Lord, I think I am. When you get a standing ovation, they look at things like that. When they look at people say, yes, we like that. Amen. They look at things like that. God put me there. God did that. He put the, the guitar thing on the inside of me. He put all that on the inside of me. And, uh, and I believe the reason for that more than anything is that, that he be glorified, but also that he would cause us to be able to eat from his table. And he wants to treat us like one of his own kids. So here they came with all these wagons and everything. You could say it like this. Here comes all the king's Prevo buses. All these buses drove up in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in their neighborhood and around their houses, and they are going, my Lord, what is all this? Oh, these are Pharaoh's buses. This is tour buses. That was just basically the same kind of thing. When they sent the king's wagons, it was like these tour buses came up and moved Israel and all of his family down to Egypt and took care of them the rest of their lives until he died. Is that a cool story or what? We didn't put that silver chalice there. No. Pharaoh, or uh, Joseph did. You may as well say Pharaoh did. So he could eat fruit and drink from the king's table. Amen. And so I, I was talking like this the other night. I said, you know, we don't even know what's on. You asked me, I said, this is a long answer to you. And I probably got way too preachy because you don't really know me very well. But I said, there are things on the inside of us that perhaps we haven't even discovered that God put there. And things got real quiet around the table the other night. I said, you asked me, where did I start learning to play the guitar? And this is about 20 minutes later after I said all that. And I said, my mother's brother was my hero. We called him Uncle Doyle. Guess where I got my name. I said, I got, I got pictures of him even out in one of my records at the end of it. I wanted people to hear him. So I just let him, uh, dad recorded him when he was at our house with just a harmonica. And it will amaze you. I never heard anything like that in my whole life. Even today, and I know Charlie McCoy. I knew Terry McMillan. I know a lot of them. I know a lot of great harmonica players and musicians. I never heard anything like Uncle Doyle could do. When I go to the Opry, little Jimmy Dickens says, I didn't realize Smitty was your uncle. And I said, well, we call him Uncle Doyle. That's where I got my name. Well, my goodness. He worked with Grandpa Jones, but I didn't let him know that until after I got the job. He said, well, you got the job. I said, well, I think you might remember my uncle. You called him Smitty Smith. He said, oh, my goodness. Why didn't you tell me he was your uncle? I said, I wanted this by myself. I wanted to know I could get this job by, on my own. He said, well, you got the job, but I, I, it's hard for me to believe. And he, Grandpa, I traveled with him about three years, and Grandpa was writing a book. And while he was writing this book, um, he'd write it on a yellow pad, and then he'd switch over and he'd write menus for hee-haw. Well, we got a hee-haw taping. I got to write some menus out. Cornbread, turn, hey, Grandpa, what's for supper? Cornbread, turnip greens, candied yams, butter beans, blackberry cobbler, and all things rare. And the more to eat, the more to spare. I saw him write those things out. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool, you know. But, uh, but when he said he was writing a book called 50 Years Behind the Mic, 50 Years Behind the Mic. And years later, I finally got one of those books. And I'd left Grandpa Jones a long time, and I was pastoring a little church. People used to say, what would you learn from Grandpa Jones? I said, well, I guess the first thing I said, I learned an appreciation for old-time country music. I said, I left the Stamps Quartet that backed up Elvis Presley and Donnie Sumner that I work with all the time wrote all the vocal arrangements for Elvis. And I said, they were progressive. And I went from that to Grandpa Jones. And he was old-time country. But I said, I learned an appreciation for that kind of music. 
Sometimes Grandpa turned back and looked at me under his glass. He said, no passing chords, Doyle, no passing chords. For you musicians, you'd understand what I was talking about. And so I learned a whole new style of music and learned how to appreciate that. But I said, the second thing I learned more than anything else was how to tell a story and how to relate to an audience. And the way he had such a sense of, of timing when he would tell a, a joke, you know, he was on Hee Haw. He was, he's in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Grandpa was famous from that Hee Haw show. But he says, I'd have never been able to do any of that if it hadn't been for a guy named Smitty Smith. He said he taught me everything I knew about how to tell a story and how to tell a joke. And I, read, I was reading this book, and I closed it, and I went back and I read that paragraph again. I said, all these years, I thought I learned that from him. He learned it from my mama's brother. It's been inside of me all this time. I didn't even know that. Last time I spent time with Roy Clark, Roy, out of two hours, he talked over half that about my Uncle Doyle. He said, Smitty was probably the most influential person in my life in the music business. He says, I'm not talking about just music itself. He said, I would have never been able to be on on Hee Haw. I would have never been able to do a monologue and and be on the and host the Johnny Carson show, which he did. He'd host the Johnny Carson show if Johnny was out. They'd call Roy Clark. He said, I'd have never been able to do any of that if it weren't for your Uncle Smitty, my mother's brother. He said, he taught me how to tell a joke and taught me how to tell a story with a sense of timing and how to connect to an audience. Isn't that something? Things are on the inside of you that perhaps undiscovered. Don't care how old you are, how young you are. Maybe God has placed something on the inside of you for a time such as this. Amen. He has placed his treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I don't know that I shared that. Have my amplifier broke, not broken, or blew up, or whatever. I was on the Grand Ole Opry one night, and I can't rem. I I think it was it was an amp just like that. I can't remember if it was this one or another one that I had, but it was just like this. And in fact, that's an old signature amp that I helped design. But I remember I got up on the Grand Ole Opry and I, there were I was supposed to have done two songs, and they said, "Well, uh, and I'll know probably a lot of you are here. You're thinking I never even heard of this guy. What's he talking about being on the Grand Ole Opry? I've been internationally unknown to a whole lot of people a long time, but in the music world, a lot of people do know me. You know why? Because God put something on the inside of me, so I would because He knows I'm not ashamed to tell it." and to tell the good news. And so yesterday, I played this song and, uh, and close it out, the whole program. And I'm going to close this out today.
You know, I'll never, I'll never forget. Roy, uh, 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 Porter walked over to me, and he was emaciated. He lost a lot of weight. He was a big, tall, nice-looking gentleman, but at that particular time, he didn't look very well. And he had big tears flowing down his face. And he just looked at me and just said, I don't know what you were going to play. But he said, you played that one for me today. And then he turned back around and he gave me a big old hug. I think I had a butterfly on my face for a week with those rhinestones. And he, you know, he hugged me real hard. And, and, uh, and I took a bow and he said, let's hear it for Doyle. And about two weeks later, I was uh, overseas. And one of my coworkers that I was with over there, on this tour, took a piece of, it was a USA Today. He said, didn't you know this man? He said, Porter Wagner had passed away. It was one of the last times he was ever seen in public. God knows. Amen. And sometimes he can move things around and do things that seem like they're a mistake. But they're not a mistake because that's, that's not my treasure. The treasure that I have is on the inside of me. Amen. And God knows that, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Not in my amplifier, not how well I play, but in the moving of the Spirit. And he knew that I would move with him. Amen? Move with him. Move with God. Maybe God's put something in your heart to do. Maybe you never knew why, but, you know, it could be just a sense of timing that God's been waiting on you. Amen? But maybe God wants to do something you never thought you would ever do before. Or maybe you've had it in the back of your mind, and maybe it's time to come into fruition. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless y'all. I went over five minutes, but I hope you enjoyed that. God bless y'all. Thank you. You know, Doyle, I, I really believe that that message was for us today in our church, and maybe in some homes and some families here today. Um, we're going to take an offering for Doyle, and I'm going to ask Doyle to come back and play one more time for our offering. But before, bef I, want you to, I want to say this before. Um, Doyle, I know that amplifier to us sounded perfect. I, I didn't hear a problem with it. And I don't think anybody else out here heard a problem with it. You heard a problem because you're a perfectionist. It's your life. But I believe God gave you that word today for somebody here, me, number one, but somebody else. So after we take the offering today, I want those here this morning that that message might have been for you, I want you to come up and Doyle's going to be here and I know he's going to be unpacking stuff and out there, but I know Doyle will pray for you. And we will pray for you today and that we'll pray that that sense of timing and anointing is perfect for you. That was really good. It's perfect. We needed that. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And we are so thankful that you are aware of us. We are so thankful that your spirit dwells within us and that you truly are a loving God that cares for us in the mixed up world that we live in and maybe even the life that we've messed up ourselves. Maybe we've messed up our own life. But you love us in spite of it. You love us so much you don't want us to stay in it. You love us so much that you want us to get out of it. And we don't know how. But Lord, your timing is perfect. And for those here this morning that might be in that spiral, we are just praying, Lord, that you will just release them by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will free them from the, the demons that are chasing them, that you'll free them from the demons of their own making. Because we know that you are the God of all things and that your timing is always perfect. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.